I think the EU's kind of appetite for risk, especially at the early stage and kind of pre-seed funding, is dwarfed by that of the states. And I think that kind of competition from the US will either mean that they mop up a lot of the opportunities here mm. or it means that the European investors will have to kind of not necessarily up their game but you know adjust their kind of risk appetite and what traction they expect and how quickly they're willing to move on a deal. You're listening to the Swedish podcast hosted by Jill Leckie in conversations about the paradox of life between two cultures. Daniel White moved from the UK to Sweden in early 2020, was thrust into the zealous world of a startup incubator only to have a global pandemic distill down his life to working from his living room and hustling to support the struggling service industry in Stockholm, all in the space of three months. I had the chance to grab a chat with Daniel, co-founder of Tappy, the app that sends your friends their favourite beer, bun, coffee or cocktail in just a tap to learn a bit more about the Stockholm startup incubator scene, what life has really been like for entrepreneurs during the pandemic and his thoughts so far on life in Sweden. Daniel, thank you so much for coming. My pleasure. Before we get started, I always ask everybody, give us your origin story. How did you come to be here in Sweden? Uh, so my story, a tale as old as time, in that my then girlfriend, now wife, is Swedish. So a love immigrant, as uh, as they're known. So um, was working in London prior to this for for three years in finance, and uh, so was my wife. And she got an offer to move with her job here, and I was kind of sick of London, and um, I'd been here many times, kind of on holiday, and always thought, you know, I'd, I'd jump at the chance. So that's what we did. We kind of um, yeah, all moved pretty quickly, and yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, that's a very similar story to myself. My partner is Swedish. We met in London. And yeah, it's a very kind of, you know, tales all the time, as she said. Um, so when you were when you arrived here, what was your first impressions? Did it meet the expectations that you came uh, with it? Yes, initially. I mean, for context, we landed January 2020. So in terms of timing, that was a month before things started going downhill everywhere so i only had a taste of normal life in sweden i guess before uh things got a bit weird but um yeah i'd say so i think i kind of jumped straight into um building tappy through antler so i was kind of i had quite a, i'd say seamless transition in a way you know kind of new cohort of um fellow entrepreneurs which then became friends and mm-hmm. i was quite lucky in that respect that that was pretty pretty seamless um but yeah, I think it, it certainly did match the expectations, but they were maybe uh, not tempered downwards, I'd say, but I'd already kind of half confirmed them by being here so many times before. Yeah. So it wasn't like I was going on the Mamma Mia kind of, or ABBA kind of uh, ideal of what, uh, you know, Sweden and Swedes might be like. Um, yeah. So I kind of already uh, dipped the toe in before. Yeah. You mentioned Antler. A lot of the people who are listening probably won't know what Antler is. So if you could give us a little idea of what that is. Yeah, so it's um, it's a now kind of global startup in- incubator slash accelerator. So essentially they take in um, you know entrepreneurial people, developers, uh, designers, whoever that might be that are looking to start a business, whether they already have an idea or uh, maybe not, maybe mm. they don't have an idea, they just want to meet people that do, or maybe they've already got a business up and running uh, you know, to some degree, um, 
but need help, guidance, more people, capital. Um, so it's kind of like a boot camp for mm. uh, building a startup that's kind of scalable and mm. um, that sort of thing. So the comparison that's possibly more famous is uh, Y Combinator in the States, uh, which you know a lot of the big names went through. But So this is kind of, I guess, the li- little cousin, or they'd probably like to think of themselves as the little cousin to mm. Y Combinator. Mm. So from what I know about Antler as well, the selection process is really rigorous. I mean, did you start that before you came to Sweden? So I, I was interviewing for roles in kind of private equity and then VC or venture capital roles and then came across Antler, mm-hmm. um, which are essentially like a, a venture capital fund yeah. Yeah. that does the company building as well. So I kind of, th- I looked at it and thought, oh, you know, that's fun. Um, it's like a three to six month, month program. And, you know, if it doesn't go anywhere, then at least I've got operator experience from the other side of the table of building a business, which is relevant if I want to go into being a VC. And I'd already been working on Tappy, or back then it was called Favor back in the UK. So, you know, the idea was already pretty fleshed out. I, I could kind of hit the ground running with it. So mm. that's kind of what was appealing. But yeah, the selection process was, I'd say, fairly fairly rigorous in that, you know, they have to do all these behavioral tests, intelligence tests, and all these kinds of things. I obviously slipped through the net somehow. <laughs> um, but, um, and then you have rounds of interviews and kind of, um, I guess, psychological fit or uh, I don't know it's kind of hit and miss and I think they try and kind of filter for people that have kind of grit or resilience because that's one of the key things you can have all the other skill set and all the other you know aptitudes but I think um, weathering things like a global pandemic would yeah. t- come, <laughs> comes in comes in handy yeah and I wonder if now a lot of these startup incubators are going to actually be pandemic proofing their <laughs> yeah <laughs> their their sessions yeah so it's changed the pandemic kind of changed a lot of these kind of business models and we were part of the cohort that started in person but then moved back into mm-hmm. work from home and then doing things remotely and via zoom or whatever um, but now all of these bigger global incubators and accelerators are doing remote first cohorts. So that means that Swedish companies can join an American accelerator, for example, or, or what have you. And I think it's also changed how investors look at startups and their appetite for investing abroad. Like the U.S. has woken up and realized that other countries outside the U.S. exist and are investable. So it kind of it's increased the competition in the investment space as well. Mm. I think that's a good thing. As they said, you know, the, 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 there needs to be more of that competition, um, especially in Sweden, because I think Sweden is such a small country, it's such a small place. And uh, one of well, one of the issues that I found is that, yeah, the sort of level of nepotism, which is involved <laughs> in in, uh, in business here, it's not, uh, it's not an attractive thing. Yeah, I'd say I've seen, um, you know, some evidence of that and kind of know um, we talked about that, but I think the... Uh, it's not just Sweden. Uh, I think the EU's kind of appetite for risk, especially at the early stage and kind of pre-seed funding, especially on the consumer side, um, is dwarfed by that of the States. Um, and I think that kind of competition from the US will either mean that they mop up a lot of the um, opportunities here, mm. or it means that the European investors will have to kind of, not necessarily up their game, but you know adjust their kind of risk appetite and what traction they expect and how quickly they're willing to move on, on a deal. That is a really interesting take on it. So tell us about your idea. You came into the incubator with the idea. Um, how did that come about to begin with, Tappy? So back in 2013, 14 at university, I woke up from 
a night out with a bit of a headache, which wasn't uh, an uncommon experience. Or great startup <laughs> services. Like Absolutely. that? This is the story. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I realised that I owed someone a drink from the night before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they ran out of cash or whatever. Um, and then I thought, well, I don't want to send them £5 because that's a bit, I don't know, awkward, transactional, mm. blunt. But if I take the guy out for a beer again tonight, it's going to turn into five beers, ten beers, a kebab and a taxi home. And now yeah. it's a hundred pound sledgehammer yeah. to crack a five pound walnut. Yeah. So I was like, I just want to give the guy a Guinness through the internet. <laughs> it's kind of like a Guinness voucher, a beer, beer voucher. And I didn't really think much else of it. Um, but a month or so later, it's this same guy's birthday. And I realised I'd forgotten about the beer, but I was writing on his Facebook wall for his birthday, as people did back then. And it was like, oh, happy birthday, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, oh, I own the beer. And I'd buy him a beer for his birthday. And there's 40, 50 other people writing on this guy's Facebook wall that would probably do the same. If you, bo- if you bothered enough to write on someone's wall, then they're probably a close enough friend that you buy them a drink. And so the little cogs started turning in my mind. And, then, and I thought, well, how cool would it be to wake up on your birthday to a phone full of coffees and beers and yeah. whatever else, yeah. rather than, I don't know, just like a WhatsApp group message pylon that always feels a bit weird to participate in it's yeah. kind of who's the first to wish somebody a happy yeah, birthday yeah. so i think that kind of spiraled from there and thinking you know gifting in general a lot of the time we just send a message where somewhere adding a little bit of a sweetener to that message is would be quite nice but then gifting more broadly you know you're spending 20 quid on mm. a, a proper gift and then you've mm. got logistics mm. and oh what's their address again and mm. is it going to arrive on time mm. So I think this concept of micro-gifting, which is mm. uh, more personal, because mm. it's not just like a coffee, it's, mm. oh, I know you like uh, espresso or macchiatos at this place. Mm. Um, so it's a bit more thoughtful than just sending someone £3.50. Definitely. So when you got into the Antler programme, what did they do to help you kind of, you know, f- get to the point where you've got now an app, a website, all this kind of stuff? I think a lot of it was... A kind of team building figuring out how you work with different people because it was like speed dating you know you find a co-founder there and find a team to work with um and so a lot of it is a kind of projects like they brought the european space agency in and oh, kind wow. of made us kind of philosophize about some project i mean it was all kind of it wasn't anything material or going to be used clearly i'm not <laughs> a rocket scientist by any stretch but um it's more finding problems like volvo came in or scanning or one of these kind of companies and said oh this is autonomous driving and you know have a play around with this as an idea and come mm-hmm. up try and come up with a product idea so you find people mm-hmm. that you'd want to work with that kind of like the problem that you're trying to solve mm-hmm. um as your startup idea but then they give you kind of coaching around w- what scaling business entails what um characteristics a scalable business would have what that looks like in terms of fundraising hiring what the mechanics behind all of those kind of things because you know the world of vc funding is quite inaccessible from afar you know it's not a lot a lot of these kind of mechanisms aren't obvious at all um helping you put a pitch deck together etc and kind of giving you um a library of tools or an, a kind of uh, short list of things like no code app builders or a website builder or and how and mm. how to do that or copywriting for example like there's so many of these skills which in any bigger company mm. is an entire department yeah. Um, but you know you've kind of got to have very surface level understanding of of all of it really yeah. and then they kind of make you try and kill your idea so go out and ask people in the street get rid of any kind of um, I guess pride or um, 
or, or kind of reluctance to share or, or pride in the idea, but also pride in not speaking to customers because the worst thing you can do is not speak to customers. Yeah, yeah. and try and build something that you assume that everyone will love. Mm -hmm. So try and kill the idea. Mm -hmm. And if you can't kill it, then maybe there's something there, but it's still not mm -hmm. a guarantee. So, you know, we, we'd make up some, we had to make up some imaginary product, which was a kind of alarm band for children in swimming pools that would Bluetooth, it probably does exist, but anyway, and we went out and started getting, just speaking to people mm -hmm. on the street and mm -hmm. getting mm -hmm. as many responses uh, as we could. Mm. And that kind, of, that kind of thing, that kind of, I hate the word, but kind of hustle mm -hmm. culture kind of mm -hmm. um, thing. Yeah, that all of those kind of thi things kind of went into their, um, their program. Do you think it's something that anybody who wants to or everybody who wants to or has an idea and wants to really kind of start their own business do you think everybody should take part in that or do you think it's just something that is you know for some people and not for others i think it's less about the person to some degree more about the business model or idea in that it's good for scalable businesses i mean you do have accelerators or maybe incubators that are more of a network and more of a community about so if you wanted to open a, a bakery for example that's not inherently scalable um it, it is you open more bakeries but it's not like a tech business mm. but there are kind of f these food tech or food um entrepreneur groups out there but for an accelerator specifically it's more about if you want to start a tech business perhaps but then also it's an experience thing so if you you know if you're senior at a tech company already and you've got some sort of experience and understanding of how a lot of these things work then you maybe question the value of what you're going to learn from an accelerator so it's kind of like a step or a, a, a boot camp to get into the world of tech if you haven't necessarily built or been part of a startup before um you know otherwise you'd have already have the kind of network that you, you'd need or knowledge that you need that is something that i'm particularly interested in being an immigrant trying to get your foot through the door how do i build that network i think antler for me was kind of like stepping back into high school and in that there was a 80 new people there of broadly similar age and, and interest kind of thing it was it was the perfect kind of landing pad for moving here for me i think it's and a lot of them were expats or immigrants as well i'd say maybe half roughly were Swedish um, so you know you've got a mix of community to get involved with there you partly integrating into you know the the Swede side of things but then also you know meeting people from all over the place that are in a similar position to yourself mm -hmm. um, and I think that kind of baptism of fire was was really important if I'd have got a job in somewhere in an office with like three or four people in it it mm -hmm. would have kind of without finding another community like that I think it would have been a bit more difficult and then obviously COVID nukes the whole thing and I was back in working from home and <laughs> kind of, <laughs> yeah, so it kind of undid pretty quickly. But I think the network from that and the friends that I made from that is probably the most valuable part of um, the whole kind of program. Having started my own business myself, uh, but without the help of a incubator or, and you know, I think something that I, I and I really wish that I'd had that resource because it would have given me a mo much more insight into you know, how do we navigate the system, mm -hmm. which is, you know, built up here in Sweden, not just the startup system, but the very traditional mindigheter, you know, how you deal, dealing with the, the bureaucracy. Was there assistance with that? Did you manage to navigate that? No assistance per se on that, that kind of front. I mean, my original co-founder, um, 
who left shortly after Antler, was Swedish. So, you know, he took care of Skatteverket. And I still, two years later, pull up his little uh, video that we recorded of him explaining how to fill in the Arbetsgivare uh, Avgift, which is, you know, the, the kind of national insurance or employer tax thing. Because, you know, I can speak or follow Swedish fairly well, but you know, those sorts of things are very niche and, and like you say, just layers of bureaucracy are, are uh, bewildering. But um, I think even more broadly, uh, you know, I'm not very adept with that sort of thing, even in English. And I kind of always bury my head in the sand with accounts and expenses and that so forth. So, um, yeah, thankfully, I've managed to generally outsource that sort of thing. So tell us what's next with Tappy. So we launched publicly in, I think, September of last year, very softly, very kind of basically a public beta version. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing a fundraise at the moment um, to you know hire a bigger team, more developers, and um, kind of get more venues on board, but then also do a load of kind of marketing and, and giveaways and that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. I think we've already got you know 20 odd of, in my opinion, some of the best bars and cafes and bakeries around in Stockholm, but obviously we want um, to spread that, but also geographically. So, you know, you know, people live and work in clearly other cities, or if you know people in Copenhagen or mm-hmm. Oslo or what have you. Mm-hmm. And I think this kind of concept travels like even on if you know people on holiday on your Instagram feed and it's their anniversary, you can send them a cocktail on the beach in mm-hmm. Spain or something. You know, I think it works really well um, between countries as well. And mm-hmm. my parents can buy me beers from back home uh, in the mm-hmm. UK, so mm-hmm. <laughs> that's uh, mm-hmm. that's clearly top of top of list for priority the cohort has ended now so you guys are now officially a business mm-hmm. what's the next stage in that so it, for context we i think only did three or four months of the antler program back in early 2020 and we actually didn't get the investment from antler which at the time was a blow mm-hmm. but in retrospect you know it's so we've had to all of our fundraising's been done through family friends angels wow. anybody on the street with 200 krona to their name mm-hmm. you know like we've it's been really kind of scrappy fundraising mm-hmm. and so i think at the time that was a blow to not get the investment but then how it's taught us to be resourceful or careful with the cash that we do raise and and mindful of how we allocate that um i think it's turned us into a better company now mm-hmm. but i do obviously if we'd have got the funding and you know, the intros and the network from antler on the other side of things then things would have moved a lot quicker perhaps or you know we'd have been in a different position today but mm-hmm. i don't necessarily resent that you know the the kind of um ups and downs that we've had um ourselves it's been it's been overall enjoyable i'd say uh, and do you think that um because sweden is so-called a cashless society mm-hmm early adopters are going to take on the idea and the concept of tappy more than they would say for example if you'd done this in the uk what do you think perhaps yeah i think london's quite cashless i'd say but i think the it's quite an easy sell here in saying that oh it's like swish for beer or oh it's swish for coffee and it's and the uk doesn't really have a a kind of super payments app i would say Mm -hmm. like the states you've got venmo and cash app and these sorts of things but Mm -hmm. And, but everyone in the UK just seems to use from might be different now, but just use like their banks or neo bank kind of stuff to ping each other um, cash. So, yeah, I think that to some degree kind of lends itself. But you've also got a really strong bar and cafe culture here, mm. Um, mm. which helps. I think yeah. Sweden's a good enough place. I think the the strict alcohol 
regulations has been something um, there's been a bit of a kind of hurdle or um, complication to our model yeah you just have to kind of get over the loopholes yeah <laughs> be careful how we market things as yeah, well and exactly. but no i think that but that's that you know that that's there for a reason and um i don't want to tread on those on those toes you are currently listening to the swedish podcast follow us on instagram at the underscore sweet underscore ish and find us on linkedin and facebook where you can leave us a message send us your favorite swedish tips and so much more enjoy listening I kind of want to know a little bit more about your experience of, of Sweden and Stockholm itself. You know, you've only been here for two years, two years, just two years. Yeah. And, you know, most of that was through a pandemic, <laughs> which is you know great, great way to be introduced to a city. Um, of course, you knew it beforehand because of your partner. What do you want to know more about Sweden? What do you want to know? What do you is there is there something you feel like you're missing? I think uh, mostly due to the pandemic, we've uh, I've got well, my wife and I've been in something of a bubble in that, you know, we've been working from home mostly or and you know just nipping into town mm. and we live at, you know quite central so it's been it's been nice not to have to do the London commute and all those sorts of things but yeah. um, we've not explored many of the kind of other cities um, yeah. so much or seen you know so much of the nature or done that much exploring which we kind of could have done but I think we we kind of went into this almost hermit mode um, by accident and mm. um, mm. And so I think I'd like to see, you know, in the north, like here. And I've been to, you know, places like Salem and where else is there? They, I went to pick up our COVID dog. The uh, We bought a puppy in, during the lockdown. So, And that was in a place called Svetsjö. I've probably butchered the pronunciation of that, but it's near Falun. Okay. And, you know, I've potted around like Ninnesham and all these kinds of places, but I've not really seen a lot of what Sweden's got to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've been very kind of Stockholm-centric. Yeah. Um, through the pandemic so I think coming out of uh, our shell a little bit there yeah. would be, be quite nice. Uh-huh. The other thing that I um, I like to ask people because this is coming into an election year in Sweden which I think I think we're at a critical point in Swedish history mm-hmm. you know we just had our first female state stats minister appointed last year but also we're at kind of a, a tipping point in terms of you know will the far right you know, finally sort of solidify its position within the parliament within the parliament and so on. What are your aspirations for the future of Sweden? If you were to stay, you know, if you're gonna stay here as a as a citizen, what are your aspirations? Um I think I'm personally quite impressed with a lot of I mean it's Sweden's clearly, as with any other country, it's got it's people have their gripes about it and um but I think the general system, if you like to call it that, of um, you know, support and um, mm. the kind of social security net and cradle to grave kind of um, assistance in a lot of in a lot of ways is done really well, and it's it's the envy of a lot of the world. Doesn't mean you can copy and paste it to other countries because uh, you know multitude of reasons, mm. um, and I don't think a lot of it would necessarily work back in the UK. Mm. But I'm you know quite impressed by um, a lot of the kind of institutions that they've got here mm. the levels of bureaucracy are another matter 
Mm. Um, mm. But I think it's weirdly authoritarian in some ways, but then really kind of mm. uh, like mm. liberal in others and mm. progressive in other senses. So mm. I think that's quite difficult to explain to people mm-hmm. who don't or haven't really experienced living in Sweden before. Is this kind of almost cognitive dissonance between having those levels of authority mm-hmm. and, 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 and abiding by those levels of authority, but also because we abide by those levels of authority, we can live our lives relatively free. Yeah. So I think the the COVID kind of response is case in point of that, mm-hmm. and that it's you know seemingly a exceptionally liberal approach to mm-hmm. you know restrictions and things, and um, people kind of generally follow along with things without having to be you know hit with a stick as you have mm-hmm. have in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, but then very liberal in some senses, but then things like the sustainable logit, for example, or then, mm. or say drug laws, for instance, you know, it'd be relatively very kind of draconian Zero almost. Zero tolerance, kind yeah. of, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a horseshoe in that, in that mm. um, regard, I think. So if you were to stay here for another 5, 10, 15 years, mm-hmm. which I presume you plan on doing. Yes. Nodding his head. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, you know, what, what, what's in the plan? What's going to happen? Um, I think the tech scene's really vibrant here and I want to get more and more involved mm-hmm. in that. And I think, I mean, I, I know kind of posited the question from a political standpoint, but in, I've been in a weird space where I don't really follow or listen to much Swedish news. Mm. I think that's partly because, um, you know, I get a lot of news on world events from Twitter or whatever mm. and in English. Mm. But um, so I don't kind of listen to the news because it's in Swedish and I follow it to mm. a degree. But, mm. you know, I'm not I'm also can't vote here yet. So, mm. you know, a lot of it is like, mm, well, you know, not massively relevant. But I've also not stopped following a lot of the UK news because that's mm. not relevant anymore as much. Yeah. So I'm kind of in this apolitical or like a little bubble of my own enjoyment. <laughs> and I kind of, there's this theory, I think it's from Tim Ferriss or something that, you know, he doesn't listen to the news or because if something's important enough, people will tell you mm-hmm. and you'll find out about yeah. it, which kind of relies on everyone else not adopting that mantra. But, um, <laughs> but I, you know, I think that's that's been, of all the sources of stress over the last couple of years and anxiety and, and general disdain for the state of the world, I think me trying to avoid that or... Yeah not being actively involved in seeking it out has maybe been a a little bit more healthy than um than kind of panic scrolling yeah yeah you see i'm the opposite i have been panic scrolling for the last two years so i'm fully and engaged in in anxiety level (laughs) ready to explode yeah Yeah. um maybe that'll change in the next five years once you're once you become more kind of uh Swedish pro and more skin in the game with uh, yeah, vote yeah. and things exactly, and, exactly, yeah exactly. and yeah. um, if you were to for example you found out that one of your long long-term friends mm-hmm. had decided to move to Sweden what would be the one piece of advice that you would give them um do it yesterday I'm actively encouraging people to okay. do so you know I think the the uh, quality of life here is mm-hmm. really very good mm-hmm. um in my opinion i think you know even the being able to breathe the air is a Mm -hmm. bonus and you know being close to water and you know beautiful architecture etc etc um i do think it's you know an outstanding place Mm -hmm. to live um Mm -hmm. and work and raise a family i think you know the the support around that not that you know i've got kids or immediate plans to have children but Mm -hmm. i think the maternity paternity the um equality whilst you know we can kind of 
talk about how it's not perfect. I think, mm. uh, relatively speaking, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. a great place, um, you know, for women in the workplace and, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. So, yeah, I'm kind of actively trying to lure friends over here from, from the UK. So The concept of red days is brilliant and the half a day before the red day as well kind of going oh you know, that'll do. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh it, yeah those squeeze days and melon dog and i think the the work-life thing here is incredible yeah. um and it's healthy um but it's and it's the polar opposite to the states um the uk is kind of somewhere in between and yeah. the melon dog and a, that's a write-off doesn't even yeah. count towards yeah. um you know your allowance yeah if your allowance is even tracked, you know, I mean, it's just incredible. But I think so many fun bits about Swedish culture, some of which have been done to death, like, you know, the Fika thing yeah, and yeah, yeah. all that sort of stuff. Um, but then some of the language is brilliant. Uh, yeah. And some of the idioms and phrases that they have here are just, we need to adopt them in English. I think, smarken as and barken, they're their lard. I'm sorry, Smarken as and barken, they're their lard. Like the opinion, uh, it, it, rough translation here, the opinion is like an arse, it's, it's divided. <laughs> um, that is just sensational. And, you know, other kind of ways of swearing or ways of, uh, I don't know, the expressions are brilliant. Yeah. And, you know, being a Brit in Sweden, it's kind of like being an American in the UK in that you are a bull in a china shop to most people, I think, um, to most Swedes. And that can be a good thing. Um, it mm. can take some tempering. Some people may not uh, love it, but mm. I think it's it's generally well received. I think in my experience, um, people are generally quite anglophilic. Yeah. Um, or yeah, I think so. You know, you don't see much hostility in that in that mm. sense. Mm. Um, mm. But and you obviously get away with murder as being that, oh, he's a, he's a you just, Brit yeah, kind you of thing. Yeah, like an idiot, don't you? Yeah, yeah you know, basically, exactly. Act like an, a class idiot, and then they're like, oh, well, he's just a Brit over there. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> no, totally. Um, one last thing before you go. Mm-hmm. I want you to tell us how and where to find Tappy and what to do with it. Uh, so, tappy.co or tappy.se or whichever ending you prefer. Uh, we're in the App Store, Google Play, um, all reputable app dealers. <laughs> so yeah, you basically download the app, choose a drink or a bun to send to someone. You can send it to them however you like, Instagram, DM, uh, SMS, WhatsApp. Um, you could try sending the code via um, smoke signals if you like. It will work, um, however, whichever kind of media you choose. Um, and yeah, you know, it's a nice way of brightening someone's day. And I would just like to say to my listeners, um, I am on Tappy if you fancy sending <laughs> me a drink or a bun or uh, no alcoholic drinks, thanks, I'm not drinking, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take the cake. <laughs> uh, Daniel, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Likewise, um, thank you. Yeah, I just wish you all the luck with Tappy and we'll be standing on the sidelines championing you guys on. Awesome, thank you so much. Thank you. You've been listening to The Swedish Podcast, hosted by Jill and edited by Cecile. You can find us on Instagram at the underscore Swede underscore ish, LinkedIn and Facebook. Don't forget to subscribe on your favourite podcasting platform and leave us a review with a few stars attached. It helps everyone else find us.